Welcome to Voices of Creative Civic Change. We caught up with Robin James Sullivan after an inspiring visit to a collaborative event between himself and Par Bay Creatives, a Creative Civic Change programme. The event was titled The Night of the Nine Stones and took place on the 5th of June 2021. Initially intended to take place on the Cornwall's famous sky tip in St. Austell, it was forced indoors due to persistent rain. Nonetheless, it was an evening of celebration and joy. Listen to Robin share the incredible details about his project, Everything and Nothing Has Changed, as he seeks to reimagine his local landscape and envision the future with his community. Um, my love of landscape started when I was a child. I think growing up within the area was exploring um, lagoons and quarries and hills and beaches and caves and woodland. They were magical places, but they were places that existed in my mind and imagination. And the way that you can be in a landscape, even if you're not physically in a landscape, you can kind of go back there and you can sense it and you can feel it and you can connect to that place. I meander along on a mountain of green, trimmed off with a pale hem of mist. I amble through bramble and raccoon and gorse in search of the soft heather twist. I'm a queer artist based in Cornwall. I studied in Bournemouth, um, I studied a degree in fine art, and then was making quite kind of overtly queer work at the time. And a lot of my work was still based around Cornwall and my experience of kind of growing up within kind of the larger communities and landscape. Um, and when I returned to Cornwall, I kind of stopped making work for a while. I spent a lot of time just exploring and reading, um, and I really wanted to get into ceramics. So I went for pottery lessons, and then quite quickly realised that the woman that was teaching me studied prehistoric ceramics. So we scrapped the lessons on the wheel and went out and started digging clay in the landscape, and making pinch pots and neolithic pots, and then firing them over fires and bonfires. And quite quickly I realised that that was something that I was really interested in, was kind of connecting to a deep past within our landscape and kind of realising what it was like maybe through their everyday actions of kind of coiling a pot or sitting around a fire or sharing a communal meal are things that we've been doing for thousands of years within this landscape. Standing alone in the circle of stone, wondering at what went before, I look out over hills and valley and years and try to make sense of it all. At the moment I'm working on a project called And Everything and Nothing Has Changed. And the project explores the China clay landscape, which is in the kind of heart of Cornwall. It's known as the clay country. And it encompasses a 70 kilometre section of land, the winning and working area. It's called that because it's areas that are have been and will continue to be used to mine China clay. The project doesn't just look at the 70 kilometres of land over the last 250 years of industrial mining. It looks at that landscape over a 6,000 year history, which has taken the format of a five month public programme. So that includes field trips, workshops of colleges and kind of universities. We're producing documentaries. We are running ceramic workshops. We're building giant kilns. We're doing kiln firing. On top of that, we're putting on performance evenings and then kind of large scale um, events as well.
The title and everything and nothing has changed was something I kind of toyed with for a while to try and find a title for a project that spans five months and 13 different activities and kind of projects under that umbrella. Um, so it was really looking at kind of the larger themes of this project, which was really how landscape forms community and culture and community and culture forms landscape. It was looking at the China clay landscape over a 6,000 year history and importantly looking at it in the future. And the largest theme that kind of came was this repetition and this kind of continuation, this resilience, this kind of change. But within that, how everything and nothing changes, how actually the landscape perseveres, the community perseveres, the culture perseveres, it adapts, it changes. But really there's just this continuational theme of resilience, of um, solidarity, of coming together, of pushing forward, of being, as I said, resilient against the things that are maybe challenging communities. And this is something that has become more and more prevalent within this area. Over 250 years in the China clay industry became one of the largest in the UK. There was a time where every single fishing village within the whole of Cornwall would have been exporting China clay. Every road and railway was using it. There was over 35,000 people working within the industry, within pits, within the actual China clay district. And in the last 20 years, that has slowly declined. But what has been created is a kind of deficit. We suddenly have all these communities and these kind of villages that were created purely through the China clay industry that have slowly fallen into decline. They've been forgotten about by governments and by kind of um, larger organisations and structures. But one thing that has remained is this resilience and this community spirit. Throughout the China Clay history, it was known for its brass bands, it was known for its social clubs, it was known for its festivals, for its sports days, for its parades. Um, it was an industry that created culture, and not just in material culture in the form of um, the minerals mind, but in its everyday kind of communications. The losing, the winning, the battles beginning and ending all over again. We conceitedly think we improve on the last and say it's all changed, but then people still cry, people still die, continue to fight, wound and kill. Yet people still hope, people still love, still long for the view from the hill. So this project was to explore the 250 year history, the current history of actually what's going on today, and looking at it on a much larger scale. So by looking over a 6,000 year history of evolving communities and culture was a way to kind of look into the future and understand what this landscape is going to continue to look like. So not just the landscape in terms of the physical landscape, but also the mental landscape. To understand what the community and culture is like now and what we want it to, to continue to kind of grow, um, how it can manifest itself, how it can adapt, how it can change. Um, throughout the process what's become more important. Originally it was kind of working towards this kind of sculptural object and it was working towards this kind of titanic object of the standing stone and then more and more actually it became far more important about just holding conversations. The, the objects we're making don't really matter. What's become important is actually just about listening and hearing and sharing and creating an atmosphere that is entirely inclusive. The ideas of my research into standing stones was all about them being a meeting point or them being a place to congregate or a place to kind of change direction. But we also can't forget and negate the idea that they were ritualistic in some way and they were used for ceremony. So that idea of the petal kiln was at the end of this project, we're kind of working towards building the sculpture while holding conversations and running field trips and workshops and meeting lots of people. But at the end of it, I wanted to do something to kind of thank everyone that's got involved and to kind of like mark the end of this programme. I've got St Dennis Brass Band, which is a 30-piece brass band 
band that was established in 1837 and has kind of been the soundtrack to the landscape and culture of this area for nearly 200 years now, coming to do a musical concert to the opening of the kiln. So underneath the sky tip, and to anyone that doesn't know Cornwall, we have this thing called a sky tip, and it's basically a giant pyramid of China clay that's been withering in age for some years now. Most of it has been recolonised in kind of um, bracken and gorse and even rhododendron now, and the top of it still has this kind of white peak that comes down, they're known as the Cornish Alps, or it's a sky tip. And it's basically a pile of waste China clay, so over the history 1.8 billion tonnes of earth has been moved within this landscape and area. So underneath the sky tip is this kind of beautiful backdrop, you've got this kind of pyramid, and then directly underneath that you've then got this kiln which will open up at the end of August with about 100 people coming to watch and a 30-piece brass band. It's the kind of first petal kiln in the UK. Um, this kiln was designed by an Estonian kiln builder, Andres Alec, um, in North Carolina, and then it toured from there to the Shamix Triennale in Australia, through Denmark, Estonia, and kind of all over Europe, but this is the first one in the UK where I am going to attempt to open this kiln up with five mad friends and um, colleagues um, and reveal inside this glowing red two and a half metre high standing stone that we've built with about 60 members of the community. Most of the monuments in the area are made out of granite um, and for those that don't know China clay is a decomposed form of granite. Um, over about 400 million years that granite decomposes and then within that kaolin is kind of produced. Through actually combining this kaolin with the local ball clays and granite sands and the micas back together to kind of produce a clay with a community that we can then build this standing stone out of and then fire it, it kind of produces a granite stone again, back from the landscape, from these different areas across it, bringing this landscape together and then fusing it through fire, quite similar to the geological kind of process. And everything and nothing has changed was a project to bring community together, to look at this idea that everything and nothing changes, but then also the object we're kind of working towards fitted quite nicely with this idea that, you know, it's 400 million years of decomposition and change, but then you're kind of able to bring it back together in an object that will probably last another 8,000 years. We've done the Night of the Nine Stones event, which was a performative, collaborative evening in a stone circle. That event, I have now been told from the musicians and performers and poets and um, people that collaborated on that, is actually going to continue to be a more of a monthly event now, um, taking place within that area. So that's kind of become immediately self-sufficient and sustainable, um, which is kind of the biggest joy, I think, of this project so far for me. inspired by the legendary nine stone circle of Carl's View, a stone circle that actually we don't know if it ever existed apart from the place name nine stones. Um, they were places not just of ceremony and ritual but places to come together and to gossip, to hold hard conversations, there were spaces to heal, um, there were spaces to congregate and I thought after 15 months of social isolation and loss it was time to come together and celebrate what we still have together.
So I was first introduced to Creative Civic Change through a friend of mine in St. Blasey. When I was starting to formulate the ideas, kind of was like, this is a group that are doing really interesting things in the area, and they're holding kind of weekly Zoom sessions, and um, I've spoken to them and you're welcome to go along. So the funding kind of made available through Creative Civic Change and Big Local I mean, it's made the project what it is. It wouldn't be possible without it. I had to get, you know, a shipping container, a port loo a temporary scaffold building. They entrusted their money in me to do something. And with that also comes the confidence. So I don't think it's just the physical things the money has brought, but it's also kind of like, what you're doing is good, what you're doing is valid, and we believe in it. You know, they're kind of training and helping and supporting you in kind of like every possible thing you may come across during your project or in the future. And it's not just about supporting you during your current projects, but sort of supporting a sustainable practice. The freedom people have had just to kind of like, right, you want to do this? Great, go and do it. We're here. If you need help, we trust you. Go and do what's right. Um, and that's phenomenal and just like unheard of. And like it seems to have really worked as well. Trust people, <laughs> trust communities. I think lots of other funders in the UK could learn a thing or two from this. One of the best things that could possibly ever come out of this project would be to inspire people to go out and to explore, to see what's going on in your community, to see what people are doing, because people across the UK are doing amazing and interesting things. Um, you kind of just need to hunt them out. I think the more people that go out and kind of engage in the projects that people are putting together, the more those projects will continue to thrive whether it's understanding the botany of your area and understanding how that works, maybe it's understanding the process of food within your area, whether it's understanding how your town was developed and how it's actually become what it is today, um, whether it's collecting oral histories and understanding how mental shifts have happened even in the last 10 years, the last 20 years, the last 30 years, the last 50 years. Um, there's ways that through exploring our history, and history isn't just um, something in books, it's living, it's out there, it's every day, I wonder should the answers ever be found up here where tranquility sits? The view is so breathtaking, bracing and clear, but what of that circle of mist? Beneath my boots, round hair in the dust, are the footprints of seasons long gone, and the bare-faced granite, the sage of the earth, smiles up as it circles the sun. the larger question I've kind of posed and I guess it's not that it's important to me or I know the answer yet but I'm wondering whether how might connecting to our past and our past landscape help us in the future and I think it's a question that poses across um, environmental issues and across social issues and across political issues um, three are probably the largest things we're kind of facing today and this idea of maybe understanding the past landscape or the way that we lived and worked within places and together and kind of understanding that not in a historical sense in terms of theoretically, but actually in a way of trying to emulate it, whether it's through a workshop or through a prolonged period of time, through a shared meal. Um, is there something within those moments that can help us reconnect to each other and reconnect to our landscape and maybe understand what's missing today?
The poem read is titled Meanderings and is written by Jane Downing, a member of Par Bay Creatives, one of the 15 groups taking part in the experimental funding programme Creative Civic Change in a partnership between Local Trust, National Lottery Community Fund, Esme Fairburn Foundation and the Kaloost Gulbenkian Foundation. Creative Civic Change offers flexible long-term funding, in-area mentoring and a pair learning programme to 15 communities across England. For more information, visit localtrust.org.uk